seems the Holy Spirit just ministers so richly to us uh, week after week after week. And uh, He's so gentle yet so powerful. And uh, we always want to encourage everybody, every opportunity you get, just drink Him in. Just drink Him in. Enjoy His presence. We're going to spend eternity with Him. We're going to spend eternity with Him. So let's practice now. Practice now. Yeah, what's that look like? So today's message is called the Call of Discipleship. I've been uh, uh, been uh, studying the last actually couple of weeks. I've been uh, just studying the, the scriptures about when disciples were first called to Jesus and just how that how that process uh, just unfolded and you know what does that what does that mean to us? And I, I today in open door class we talked a little bit about how how did you become a disciple of Jesus? How did you hear the call to be, become a follower of Him? What did that look like? And uh, so it's it's a it's, it's a pretty interesting uh, study if you ever just get a chance look up look up passages and I'm going to share some of them here today. But look look them up and study them and and just uh, and, and then just look at your own life and say how did how did this unfold for me? You know, just ask yourself questions about how did how did I become a follower of Jesus? How did that how did that work? What you know, where where was I? What was I doing? I mean, we know in the, in the past scriptures they were fishing. Some of them were fishing, and the Lord came along and, hey, come follow me. And they did. They just did. They just responded. And so we're gonna we're gonna look at at some of that today. And why why is that relevant in 2022? Why is this important for us to to look at this uh, it, it, at this time? So, so we're going to start with Mark 3, uh, 13 and 15, and, and I'll share this, and then I'll talk a little bit about why this just stood out to me and really how this whole thing unfolded, how I started looking into this a little bit. So Mark, in Mark 3, so Jesus went up on a mountainside, the Scripture says, and he, and he called to him those he wanted. He called to him those he wanted, and he, they came to him, and he appointed 12 that they might be with him, and that he might send them out to preach and have authority to drive out demons, and so you know, you look at this verse and you uh, you know you we, we we see the part where they might send them out and and, and they're going to preach and they're going to and, and we'll look at some more scriptures about things that he asked them to do, have authority to drive out demons, to heal the sick, to raise the dead, all those sort, sort of things. But the, the the thing that jumped out at me today, and when I when I read this, uh, and I actually wrote this at the top of a page several weeks ago, that they might be with him, that they might be with him, that they might be with him, and 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 I really want to zero in on that idea that one of the reasons he calls us to to, to be his disciples is to do all those other things, but we can never do any of those other things that he asks us to do if we're not with him, and so the. the absolute importance, absolute importance of time we spend with him, whatever that looks like. You know, I, we, we, could, we could come up with all kinds of scenarios, yeah, reading, praying, worshiping, just getting alone with him. But the idea is he wanted them to be with him. And it's, it's that, that very decision and that very time that we spend with him is when we get empowered to do all the thing, other things that he wants us to do. And if we try to do all those other things without being with him, It'll prove to be fruitless. We will fail. We will burn out. We'll get frustrated. We'll get confused. But if we're with him, if we're with him, if we spend time with him, if we hang out with him, Fran says it all the time, hang out with Jesus, hang out with Jesus. 
Just hang out with Jesus and everything will be okay. And it's absolutely true. Hang out with Jesus, everything will be okay. But we have to intentionally do that. So he pointed 12 that they might be with him, that they might be with him. My footnote on this passage says the training of the 12 included instruction and practice in various forms of ministry, but also first and foremost, continuous association and intimate fellowship with Jesus. Continuous, continuous, ongoing, ongoing, ongoing. There's never a time in your walk with Jesus, there's never a time after you say yes to him where he's going to say, you don't need to hang out with me today. There's never going to be a time when he says, I don't have time for you today. I told this story years ago. Uh, uh, I, I, when I worked at the Vindicator in Youngstown, and I used to sometimes on my lunch breaks take time and just there was a there was a church down the street, and I used to go in the chapel, and I would just hang out there for half an hour, forty five minutes, whatever whatever time I was taking that day, and just hang out with him and pray and worship and just just uh, be in his presence. And um, there came a period of time when I didn't do that, and uh, for whatever reason I went and ate lunch or what did other things. Nothing wrong with any of that other stuff. But I just didn't do that. I didn't go into the chapel. And, and I remember after a period of time, I, I was walking by one day, and I thought, oh, I'm going to go in here. I haven't been in here for a while. And I went in, and I sat down. And my, my, for whatever reason, my inclination was that he was somehow going to be mad at me, that he was somehow going to say, where have you been? And, or you know, something of some disciplinary nature. And I remember, I remember walking in and sitting down, and he says, it's so glad, I'm so glad to have this time with you. I'm so glad to be with you again. And it, there was nothing punitive about it. It was just this welcoming sense of his, uh, uh, of, of his embrace and saying, I'm so glad you're here. And it was just a reminder to me all those years ago of how much he loves fellowship with his people. He called his disciples that they might be with him. And then he empowered them to do all this other stuff. We sometimes get that reverse and think, I want to go do all this stuff, which is awesome. We want to do all this stuff. But we have to do it out of, that, out of that place of his presence, out of that place of being with him. So in Matthew, this is one of the examples that's given in Scripture of when some of the disciples were first called to him. In Matthew 4, starting with uh, verse 18, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Come, follow me. Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once, they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing with their nets. And Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. And I'm just struck by the immediacy of their response to the call of Jesus. I don't know about how everybody else has responded to the tugs to follow Jesus or whatever. I know for me, uh, you know, grew up going in church, but I didn't respond to Jesus until I was 20 years old. So I'm going to, okay, I'm going to follow you. We tend to, I don't know, I, I tend to overthink things. I tend to, uh, to examine it all. There's something to be said about counting the cost. We'll get there. But these guys... They responded immediately, immediately. 
They, di- they, didn't, they didn't delay their obedience. They responded right away, right away, right away. So then in Matthew chapter 5, uh, so these, these chapters in Matthew, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, they're all referred to as the Sermon on the Mount. Sermon on the Mount. It, 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 what's, what's interesting to me is it starts out like this. As Jesus saw crowds. Those crowds began, people began following Jesus because they were just intrigued by his teaching. They were intrigued by, by what, he was, what he was putting forth there. And so crowds started, started following him wherever he went. And so Jesus saw the crowds. He went up on a mountainside and he sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. And so these three chapters of, of Matthew are really instructive in terms of here's, the, here's new disciples, there's these crowds of people that are following him. And I, I, as, I was, as I was going through this, I thought, man, these are three chapters that we can encourage any new believer, any new believer, dive into these three chapters because he's giving them instructions about what the expectation is for their walk with him. What 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 this is what it's like to be a follower of him, and and so and I and I and I just kind of wrote a little scenario here, a synopsis here. So, Sermon on the Mount is what this is called. You know, it, it was he was standing on a mountainside teaching, teaching basic instructions, and this outline just gives very specific instructions about how to live as a disciple of Jesus. He covers all kinds of topics. Um, the Beatitudes are, are listed there. And if you don't know what the Beatitudes are, it's the blessed are the righteous, for they will see God. Blessed are, are uh, the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. All these things that come from following him, all these blessings that come, and it's just basic instruction. But he wants us to do it. He wants us to do it. And he wants us, as we're doing it, it all comes again from that place of being with him. And then he goes on and he covers all kinds of other, other things from uh, murder to adultery to divorce to giving to loving your enemies to prayer to fasting to worry to judging others, asking, seeking, knocking what the narrow road of following him looks like versus the wide one of not following him, what that looks like, what it looks like to be a true disciple versus a false disciple a wise builder, and a foolish one. All this instruction, one of the examples, and I, and I pulled this one out from Matthew, Matthew 7, uh, and this, this is, this is the, the contrast between a true disciple and a false disciple. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who's in heaven. So again, he's, he's beginning his ministry, and he's teaching you know, new believers, some who aren't believers. He's teaching his disciples, and he's saying, not everybody who says my name is going to, going to arrive in eternity with me. Many will say on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, in your name drive out demons, in your name perform many miracles? And I will say plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. I never knew you. Knew you. So again, that idea of he called his disciples to be with him. Why? So that they could know him, so that they could get to know him. That's how you know, reading the scripture, you're going to get to know him. Hanging out in his presence, you're going to get to know him. You're going to get to know his nature. You're going to get to know his ways. You're going to get to know what he likes and what he doesn't like. What's approved, what's not approved as, as a follower of him. I never knew you. I don't, want, I don't want anybody in this room to hear those words. I never knew you. I don't want any one of us to hear those words from our Savior. I, know, I, don't, I don't know you. I don't know you. I want every one of us from to say, welcome, my child. 
good and faithful servant. Training, training, training. My footnote on this passage, uh, and really the whole idea of the Sermon on the Mount, says there's no doubt that Jesus gave the Sermon on the Mount as a standard for all Christians, realizing that its demands cannot be met in our own power. They cannot be met in our own power. Remember, he called them that they might be with him. Because when we're with him, then we're empowered to do the things that he's asking us to do. All these instructions that he's giving to them, we can't do it without being with him. We can't do it. It'll be our own strength. Our own strength will get us only so far. Will not be sustainable. Will not be sustainable. So when he was done with his teaching, this was end of chapter uh, 7 of Matthew, Jesus had finished saying these things and the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority, not as their teachers of the law. When Jesus came down from the mountains, large crowds followed him. So, so again, we see this scenario where, where his teaching just was so, so inviting, so inviting that we want more. We want to hear more. We want to see more. We want, we, we, we want, to, be, we want to be part of what you're, what you're offering to us. So then, really, all these chapters in Matthew are such a, such a good introduction to the gospel of Jesus, such an introduction to ministry and what ministry in him looks like. So in Matthew chapter 8, he's, he's still calling disciples to himself. So uh, Jesus saw a crowd around him. He gave orders to cross over to the other side of the river. Then a teacher of the law came to him and he said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Now, remember, he just talked about how Jesus spoke with authority, but the teachers of the law didn't necessarily speak with authority. So here we have this teacher of the law comes to him. He comes to him and he, and he says this, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Careful what you're telling Jesus. Careful what you're telling Jesus. Because he, call, he basically called him on. He says, okay. Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have, have nests, but the Son of Man will have no place to lay his head. He said, there might be a cost to that. There might be a cost by telling me you're going to follow me wherever I go. You may not have, I, don't, I don't have a place to lay my head. There may be discomfort along the way. There may be things about, about saying that. Be careful what you're saying is basically what he's, what, what he's telling this teacher of the law. Another disciple said, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus told him, follow me, let the dead bury their own dead. He's basically saying, hey, get your priorities straight. Follow me first. All the other things, they'll work out. But don't don't put other things ahead of following me. Don't make excuses for why you can't follow me. I have to do this first. I have to do that first. I have to do this first. I had a friend years ago that said, I used to, used to kind of ask him periodically, say, what, have you surrendered to Jesus yet? And he'd say, not yet, I'm still thinking about it. What are you waiting for? He eventually did years later. But what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? You think things are going to get better? You think you're going to figure it out on your own? They made excuses. So in Matthew 9, this is where he's still calling disciples. Jesus went from there and he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. Matthew got up and followed him. Immediately, while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher uh, eat with tax collectors and sinners? There's an accusatory tone to that. Why, Why is your teacher doing that? On hearing this, Jesus says, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. 
Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous but sinners. So what I love about this, this, these instructions is he, he, he tells them right away. He's telling his disciples right away what their assignments are. He's telling them right away. I don't know about you. I, I didn't know anything about getting into assignments until much later. I didn't, I didn't know anything about what it meant to follow Jesus. I didn't know what my assignment was. But he tells them right away, you're going to fish for men. This is going to be for the people who are sick, for the people who are lost, for the people. Those of you that think you're righteous, everything about these teachings was deflating to the religious community because he just pierced through the religiosity of it and got right to the heart. It's not about religious practice. It's not about some sort of obligatory stuff that we do. I don't hang out with Jesus because it's some obligation or because it's, the scriptures instruct us to do that, but there's reasons for that that, that are beyond just some sort of an obligation or some sort of a, a routine or some sort of a, a, a habit. They're good habits, but they have purpose and deeper meaning beyond the, the practice of them just in, in and of themselves. It's because we get to know him, that we might be with him, that then we know what to do. So then in Matthew, and this, this, is, this was really instructive to me. As I, as I was looking at, at the versions of, 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 uh, of Matthew, uh, Mark, and Luke where he called his disciples, this is the only one that goes into a whole lot of, whole lot of detail about instructions. And so in Matthew 10, he gives these very, very exhaustive, and I didn't put everything up there because it would take up too much time, but he called his 12 disciples to him, and he, and he gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. These 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions, and I, I didn't list all of them uh, in between here, who they were specifically. But here's some of the instructions he gave. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samarians. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. The lost sheep, again, Again, our mission is always to people who are lost. Yes, we get to minister to one another. We get to minister and encourage one another, and that's all well and good, and it's all part, important parts of the process, and it's also instructive. But their mission essentially is to somebody that doesn't know Jesus. Think about that for a minute. Who is in your sphere of influence? I want you to think about this today because it's part of our assignment. It's part of our assignment. Who, who, is, in my, who, who is in my life? Who is... Who is a coworker, a family member, a neighbor. Do you have do you have lists, short lists, long lists, of people in your sphere of influence that need to hear about this amazing love of Christ? They need to hear about His mercy. They need to hear about His power to transform, to change, to fix what's broken, to heal what's wounded. Think about that for a minute. Go to the lost sheep. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons, freely you have received, freely give. Think about just even that concept right there. I received freely something I never deserved, something I should, could have never gotten on my own. And that was his love, that was his grace, that's, and then there's so many more other things that follow that. But then he says, give it away. Give it away. You loved me, Jesus, so I can love others. You forgave me so I can forgive others. You made provision for me 
sometimes financial, sometimes other things. I can give it away. You cared for me. I can care for others. You risked loving me. I can risk loving others. Freely you've received. Freely give. I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Oh, yay. It's not necessarily one of those things you tell someone to invite them to Jesus. Come to Jesus because you're going to get sent out. But yet, it's part of the equation. This isn't always going to be easy. Sometimes people are going to want to devour you because you're standing for the truth of Jesus, because you're sharing for his love. You're sharing for his, the, 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 the unchanging scriptures. I tell you, our culture today doesn't like the unchanging scriptures. Pastor Pauline was sending me some stuff this week about just how, how various, various uh, uh, agencies out there are changing the word of God. And we need to be aware of that. The culture hates this. Now the reality is we can still love the people but hate what they're doing and still speak, speak the truth against what we, what we see unfolding sometimes in our culture. I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. That's not comfortable. This is not a comfortable gospel. This is, yes, he has comfort for us. He has personal comfort for us but it's not a comfortable gospel sometimes. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and innocent as doves. So be smart, but without sin. Once we receive forgiveness of sin, don't go back there. Don't go back there. Now, I know we all have struggles and we have things to deal with, and that's fine. We, you know, that's, that's, not, that's just real life. We, I get that. But the reality is, and Pastor Don used to say this all the time, we don't have to sin every day. We don't. We don't. I think sometimes we, we buy into the deception that, well, I'm just flesh. Well, I'm not just flesh. I'm spirit now. My spirit man has come alive. Your spirit person has come alive by the, by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the blood of Jesus forgiving you. And so we don't have to fall prey. So when he says, be shrewd as snakes and innocent and doves, he means it, and it means it's possible. It's possible. Be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and be flogged in the synagogue. Again, another hallelujah. On my account, you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say, for it will not be you speaking, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. You will be hated by everyone because of me. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. Instruction, instruction. They were sent with these instructions. Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will acknowledge before my Father in heaven. Think about that for a minute. Who do you need to who do you who in your life do you need to acknowledge Jesus to? Who do you need to acknowledge Jesus to? Who do you need to be bold? but yet full of his grace and love as you're doing so. Because there's people in every one of our lives that need us to be a voice. These were instructions, as the disciples were called. These were instructions they were sent with. Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will acknowledge before my Father in heaven. Whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. 
Again, that's such a worldly concept that he just wants to bring peace and have everything be nice and calm and tidy. He, you know, he gives us personal peace. Don't, you know, don't misunderstand that. We understand that's, a, that's, the, that's the personal part of our relationship with Jesus. When we come to him and we get to know him and we hang out with him, we get that personal peace, and that's awesome and we need it. But to think that he just wants us all to get along, we're all in this together, what a falsehood that was during COVID. We're all in this together. No, we're not. I taught on that at the time. Only, only Jesus, only Jesus is the one who, who can bring us into unity. And he, and he talks about that. We talk about that a lot around here. We know that as we're doing things together and we're doing things as one, and, and we are, that he loves that and he pours out his spirit upon us and we're experiencing that over and over again. That's why we're experiencing so many things that we're doing because we're doing things together. We get that concept. Jesus originated that concept. The world did not. The world can't even begin to pull it off. I did not come to bring peace but a sword. Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Ah, that's hard stuff. I love my wife and my daughter and my grandson. But I'll say it, I love Jesus more. I can't, I can't really comprehend that disparity in, in practical terms because I love them so much. But my love of Jesus enables me to love them the way I'm supposed to. Without that, it would just be flesh. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. Anyone who, who welcomes you welcomes me, and anyone who welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me, and that's God. You find your life, you think you found your life apart from Christ. You think you found your life, you know, again, we're in this culture where everything's about self-discovery. Discover who you are. Discover who you are. And whatever that looks like, whether it's scriptural or not, the world says, just embrace it. Jesus says, no, 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 that's not my way. I have a way. I have a way that is right. And the scriptures say, there's a way that seems right to man. It will never be right to God if it doesn't line up with his word. So then we see Luke repeating some of these things, and I I have it up here for a reason because I love what he says after this. Luke says these same words, anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or their daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who, who does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. Whoever welcomes you welcomes me. Whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. And then he says this, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? Or if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, Everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down, consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with the 20,000. If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off. will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything, you cannot be my disciple. Yikes. Yikes. 
Where are we with that? Where are you with that? Do I really have to give up? You fill in the blank. I don't know what everybody has to give up. I mean, if it's sin, obviously we need to give it up. Where are we with that? Again, these are instructions to disciples as they're being sent out. This is what you're to teach. But it's for you too. It's for you too. This is for you, but you're also to teach it. So then, in Matthew, and this is important, this is after Jesus had been crucified, buried, and arose again, and he appeared to his disciples after the fact. And he had spoken some things to them. And in in, uh, Matthew 28, verse 16, we see this. The 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. They had given them instructions and said, here's what I want you to do. He appeared to them. This is, he's, he's already dead. He appears to them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. And he's basically commissioning them. He's basically commissioning them. The same commission is for us. Same commission is for us. That being a follower of Jesus, this call to discipleship, this call of discipleship for every one of us is to go, is to go and share what He's given to us. To not, we're living in a time when, and time's going to run out at some point. It's going to run out at some point. But He's saying, "Be my voice. Be my voice. Understand. Not everybody will love you because of this." Don't worry about that. I will make provision for you. I will empower you. I will help you to stand. I will give you all that you need. We live in such a time where oh, we have to just be accepted by everybody. No, we don't. We're not going to be. We're not going to be. But yet we can still do this work in his love and in his grace. It's not, it's, you know, the, the, the culture calls us many times uh, intolerant. It's a falsehood. They don't know abundant life. They don't know a lot of other fellowships around here that say, come on in as you are. Come on in broken. Come on in a sinner. Come on in confused. Come on in broken. Come on in. Lost. But he doesn't want us to stay that way. He doesn't want us to stay that way. And he has, he, and he has a way. And his is the only way to find freedom. His is the only way. So as I was going over my notes, and I was reminded, I don't have it up here, but I was reminded of an account, and this is a very familiar account. We, many of us are familiar with it, of 
of these two sisters named Mary and Martha. And Jesus was in their home. And they were getting ready for an event. And Martha was very, very busy. Was very, very busy getting, you know, tending to details of the event. And, and Mary was sitting at Jesus' feet. She's just, Jesus is there. Now remember, remember, he called his disciples that they might be with him. And here's Mary sitting at Jesus' feet, just adoring him and worshiping him. And, and Martha's all frustrated. Lord, tell my sister to help me with the work. Tell my sister, there's work to be done. And she's just lounging around at your feet, you know. She didn't say all that, but the, the intent is there. And Jesus says, uh-uh. Says Mary, says, Mary has found something better and it will not be taken from her. She's discovered what's important. She's discovered what's important and it will not be taken from her. She understood the call that Jesus called her as a disciple to be with her, him first. And then all the other things, all the other, nothing wrong with all the other things, nothing wrong with Martha wanting to tend to the, tend to the service and to, you know, to have everything look pretty or whatever she was doing. But not to the neglect of hanging out with Jesus. Hang out with Jesus first, then go, then go get the stuff ready. She's found what's important. And my encouragement to you today as we close this time together is this call to discipleship. This call to discipleship is all, is all about first and foremost hanging out with Jesus, whatever that looks like to you. You know, we can give you instructions on, on what some of the things that, you know, many of us do, but it's not, it's, it's, it's not about doing as much as it is resting in his presence, hanging out with his, and just enjoying who he is. Yes, scripture reading is part of that. Yes, worship is part of that. Yes, prayer is part of that. That's all part of the equation. But none of that is obligatory. None of that, we ever, if we ever engage in those things because we just have some sense of, well, I better do this today for some fear of some reaction. No, it's, it's all to mold us and shape us into the disciples he wants us to be. That's what he does. It's what he does. And he loves to do it. He loves to mold us and shape us and transform us. And, and pretty soon we find ourselves obeying the words just simply because we want to please him. Because we're his, we're his children. We're his kids. We read, uh, we read in the open door class today, John 8, 31, 32, if you hold to my teachings, you're really my disciples. You know, he, he spent a lot of time giving instruction, giving instruction to his disciples. These instructions are for us. If you hold to my teachings, you really are my disciple. My challenge and encouragement to everyone else today, hold to his teachings. Hold to his teachings on any and everything, you know, it, uh, go do, do a little self-analysis. You write down, okay, which part of his instructions do I struggle with? It's okay to acknowledge that. It's okay to talk to him about it. He loves it when we're real and honest with him. 
And then he'll tell us how to fix it. He'll tell us how to, he'll, he'll show us the way. He always will show us the way. He's that good. He loves us that much. But if we just try to change what it says, or if we just try to pretend it's not there, or try to say, well, that's not relevant in 2022, it is. It still is. It's unchanging. It's unchanging. Let's stand. couple closing questions. First of all, are you a disciple of Jesus? If not, why not? Why not today? Why not today become one? If the answer is yes, but I don't know what to do about it. I don't know what, I don't know what to do next. We've got a whole bunch of people here who would love to tell you. But more than anything, seek him and he'll show you too. He'll show you better than any of, any of us. But then also ask yourself this. What is he asking me on this day, in this time, in 2022? What's he requiring of me? What is he... You know, we've, we've, we've uh, talked a lot this year, and I can't believe this year is coming to a close here pretty quickly. I can't believe it. we've talked a lot this year about, about the power and the role of fasting in our lives, of, of, of giving up a period of time to press into Him and to seek Him. And, to, and, 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 and we've spent a lot of time talking about doing battle with one another, for one another, uh, over, over uh, struggles and over the lost and over people with all forms of of, of, of difficulties what's he asking of you what's he asking of you what's he requiring what's he, what's he want, want to do and, 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 I, and I guess I don't, I don't even know that we know when we answer those questions what he has in mind sometimes we just respond in obedience without knowing anything about what he has in mind for the, for the result and we, we, when we delved into, into fasting uh, various times throughout this year, I had no, I had no idea what, what he wanted to do. My wife would say from time to time, what's he showing you? What revelation, what big revelations are you getting? And I'm like, that's not really how it's working for me. It's, it's, it's not about that. It's, it's, it's about things that are just, in some ways, just being cleansed out of me that I didn't even know were there. It's about believing the word with greater assurance and confidence than ever before it's not second guessing as there's you know it's not always a clear cut uh, clear cut answer to what is he doing in you during a fast but i really want to encourage you to take some of these questions and answer them personalize them i've said this over and over again over the years personalize the, the scriptures to yourself to your life Take them to heart because they're always true. Think about that word, disciple. 
about what that means. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for... I thank you that when you called us to yourself, you called us because you wanted us to be with you. Lord, I'm so grateful that you allow us to be with you. You are so holy. There is no no, uh, logical reason why we should be able to stand in your presence because you're holy. But yet you allow us to come up close. You say, come boldly into the throne room. You invite us to come boldly into the throne room and to make our requests known. You allow us to seek your face and ask questions and and make requests of you to, 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 to heal a friend or to make provision in, in some important matter. And in, in, even sometimes in matters that are of way less importance, you even allow us to bring those requests to you. And that's amazing to me. That little thing or big thing, you care about it because you care about us that much. I pray today all around this room that you will just care about your people in such ways that as, as, uh, as we're chewing on these words and these instructions that you gave your disciples, which includes us, we are, we are included in those instructions. As, as we're doing that, I pray for your presence just to lead the way, to guide, to help us to find the answers we seek. thank you so much, Lord, that you are not far away, that you are so close. I pray as we wrap up this time with a little bit of worship and prayer or whatever else you have in mind here, that uh, you'll just be all over this time, all over us, Lord, just minister all over us, all over this room. Let's ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.